Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start when it comes to volunteer training? Don't have the time to record training videos? The brand new version of Ministry Grid has already done the work for you with over 750 courses for you to choose from. To help you get started right away, they even have created training pathways which provide volunteer, leader, director, and staff level training modules for each specific ministry area. Whether you're looking to train volunteers, teachers, or other leaders, you can use these pathways to equip all individuals within your church. With Ministry Grid, you can customize any training that you would like and add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and other content that you would like. And all this can be done right from your phone. Ministry Grid has been completely rebuilt to be made for mobile and train on the go. Now you can truly train anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Get started today at ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church pastors by established church pastors. My name is Josh King. I am an established church pastor here in the Dallas, Texas area. And as always, I'm joined by my good friends, Sam Rayner and Micah Freeze. It is a very good morning in Texas. How is it in Tennessee and Florida? It's uh, very cold, as a matter of fact. I think it's 36 degrees outside in Tennessee right now. Mm. Wow. We'd be canceling school in Florida. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was going to work out a few minutes ago, and there were snow flurries coming down when I was outside. No, sir. I, uh, mm-hmm. I You know, as um, people who listen to the show know, I like to run. But if it's lower than 50, I'm not. I don't care. I'll get fat. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm not Holy doing it. <laughs> it's got to be It's got to be higher than 50, and and I'm complaining until it's higher than 60. Hey, it's Sam. Too cold. So yeah. before you jumped on today, Josh and I were discussing a new, a new name for the podcast. We've come up with one. Uh, okay, I'm curious. I, just, I want to get your immediate visceral reaction. I'm pretty good at those. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we could call it Samson and the King with a Side of Fries. <laughs> Come on. Tell me that's not gloriously awful. Like, so awful people might actually like it. Mm. I'm thinking of a really bad caricature. I'm thinking, you know, as a publisher, um, uh, I enjoy a good subtitle as much as I do title. Samson and the King with a Side of Fries. I think that's a good subtitle. I think it's good. We need a colon, est.church, colon. And then Samson and the King with the side Samson of fries. Samson and the King. Yeah, the I think that's good. I like that. Do All you right. guys? This this might be off topic. Maybe we should. I should ask this off air. But one of the reasons. <laughs> no, let's go no, ahead and ask. You should always it now. always ask it on air <laughs> while while things are recording. Let's record it. Do you, you know one of the reasons I I enjoy this podcast, this discussion, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Is I'm glad you enjoy our podcast, Josh. I do. I just want to clarify I do, that. You know. It's like I told our small group yesterday, this is the first church I would attend if I wasn't on staff. <laughs> and I've been on staff at a number of churches. This is the first one I would attend. So the, um, I think one of the reasons I like this podcast, and I think that this is maybe what our listeners respond to as well, I could be completely wrong, is that we are one of the few podcasts that is about pastoring by actual pastors. Like we, we were pastoring today. We're pastoring, you know, we preached Sunday. 
Um, I can't think of a whole lot of other podcasts. The other ones I enjoy thoroughly for different reasons, but I like that. I like talking to you guys about pastoring as pastors. Yeah, because we're not experts. We really don't know what we're doing. No, we're just trying to figure it all. out. <laughs> not at all. We, we may not be experts, but we're practitioners. We yes. are thoroughly We're forced into doing this just like everybody else. You know, we That's wake right. up on Monday and things got to get done. That's, That's right. right. Uh, maybe we shouldn't record on Mondays. I hear that's a bad day for bastards. Man, I love Mondays. It's one of my favorite too. day of the week. Mm. I adore I, I, Mondays. I uh, I write my sermons on Mondays, and obviously because we record this on Mondays, um, I I do the recording as well. But you know, I'm a, I'm a always a little. It's mo- more of a low key day, obviously coming off Sunday. But uh, but I, I I get up in the morning and I'm I'm ready to go on Mondays. I enjoy it. I I get the Monday blues. I can understand why somebody would have them. Mm-hmm. But I. Um, I don't. I don't often have them on Monday. I do wonder if there's a difference between between optimist and pessimist. You, you know, in, in the way they view Mondays, because sure. I like. I, I mean, I can't ever remember really having a rough Monday where I just thought, "Oh, this is awful." I mean, even when we have, I mean, I'm, I'm a massive optimist. You guys know that. Like, glasses mm-hmm. always half full for me. But I, I, I don't remember having a Sunday. Even when we have Sundays where the attendance is down or things don't go well, like I tend to always see the glass half full. So I wake yeah. up the next morning and I'm like, "Rock on! Let's do this again <laughs> next week," which you know is not necessarily the best perspective in leadership. But nonetheless, it's kind of the way I am. I agree. I think that Mondays, even if the Sunday was bad. Monday's like, great, good, it's a new day. It's a new week. We'll, we'll do better this one. You know, it's just mm-hmm. we can start over. I wouldn't want to belabor it very much. Uh, speaking of the blues, though, a um, topic that has come up before, something that I'm kind of interested in because I had to deal with it yesterday, is the whole issue of pastoral counseling. Do you guys do a lot of that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I think the key word there is pastoral counseling. I tell people all the time, I mean, I've – I've had a little bit of training in counseling, a little bit in my undergrad degree, a little bit in seminary, but I'm not a counselor. Right. I am a pastor. And so when I meet with people, I meet with them for short but concentrated periods of time to share with them, here's what the Word says and here's how the Word comes to bear on your situation. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, if they need more than that, I refer them to someone who's a professional counselor. Right. I think that's – and, and, you know, I'm speaking from a place – all three of us are speaking from places where – we are in regions that have a number of resources. Not too far from our where I sit right now, there's a, a building called the Hope Center. and has a number of counseling um, centers and resources there, Christian Counseling. June Hunt's ministry is based out of that and other resources like that. And so uh, fortunately, we can you know just uh, send people over to the Hope Center. It's actually where I go to talk to a counselor. They also have a number of... Um, of um, they're kind of like gift cards that they'll give churches. And so you can, if somebody needs that. So my philosophy is that I will meet with, with anybody, anybody that wants to meet and get counseling. They, they often think it's, you know, very serious and things like that. I'll meet with them for at least one session. If it's an issue of just kind of, I'm struggling with my faith or I'm struggling with understanding this text, those sort of, sessions i'm i'm all too happy to do those because like you said that's where i'm trained that's that's what i have experience in but you can see very quickly if the relational issues are maybe a abuse in the past or hurt in some way that i'm just not equipped to deal with then i'll often kind of refer them over to the hope center is that is that wrong should i be doing more or i just feel like i'm i'm stepping into territory i might hurt more no, when it comes to counseling, don't get beyond your capability set. 
Mm -hmm. you, you have to be very careful. Um, obviously, every pastor is a theologian. Every pastor is a counselor. Should be, at least, because you're shepherding people. But don't don't get beyond yourself when it comes to when it comes to counseling. Um, if you don't have training in certain areas, you really shouldn't be speaking into that. Um, I do I do uh, I do a lot of marriage counseling, and mm -hmm. I do a lot of what I call big decision counseling. Um, meaning, people come to me when they're having marital trouble, and they come to me when they've got a big decision in front of them, like a job offer or something like that. Um, and I always stick to the text, always stick to the Bible. I don't try to pretend to be a professional counselor. I tell them that I'm a spiritual guide, but I'm I'm, I'm not going to be a professional. And if it gets beyond me, uh, you gotta you gotta send them to somebody who has an expertise in that area. That's um, I think that's wise. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of other factors here as well. Um, I think one of the things that can be tricky for pastors to, in providing counseling is uh, because we're not trained uh, in therapy, counseling, that sort of thing, not only can we hurt if we're not careful, particularly where there's emotional trauma that we're not, we're not trained in how to help them process through, um, not only can we hurt them, but we also are not equipped for us to individually handle the emotional ramifications of getting wrapped up in those situations. Uh, and, and if we're not careful, put appropriate boundaries in, that's what leads us to get, uh, can lead a pastor into an unhealthy place themselves. Am I making sense? Do you guys get what I'm saying there? No, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, so it can be dangerous both for them and it can be dangerous for us as well. And so that's why, um, you know, I, I, the rule of thumb for me is I'll meet with someone for up to four times. Um, to walk through the word, and that may be a little bit more than most will, but I'll generally, and that's not a hard and fast rule, but that's generally what I'm thinking of. I'm going to meet with someone up to four times. If I'm trying to help them apply the text in a specific area of their life, they're struggling with it, I want to, it's discipleship in nature. If it goes beyond that, um, it's, it's likely something either I'm not equipped to deal with or they're just simply not responsive. And I've dealt with both of those situations before. Mm -hmm. uh, where either I've not been equipped to deal with it or they just want, you know, they just want access to the pastor or they, you know, they just want someone to affirm them in what they're doing, but they really don't want to get serious about uh, fixing it, that sort of thing. Have y'all ever yeah. faced um, any sort of backlash when you kind of refer out or you say, you know, that's not something I'm equipped to deal with? No. No, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I can't think of a time when I've gotten backlash. Mm. Um, now, people who have ulterior motives... Um, like what Micah is mentioning, you know, there may be some who try to get access or they've got some other some other, other motive other than just, hey, I need your help. Mm -hmm. um, they get a little upset when you refer them on because that wasn't their goal. Mm -hmm. That's but, right. But I don't, I don't sweat that at all. I've never gotten any, like, significant backlash from saying, hey, this is about as far as I can take it. And I'm with Micah three, four, five times, you know, give or take. A, a, a couple of instances there. Uh, you, you look at everything on a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't really need to meet with someone more than that, at, at least for any one specific issue. Um, it it is it's it's you can find yourself in dangerous territory, particularly for counseling women. That's um, right. You, you know, you get beyond that, and you know, I, I don't want to sound like a chauvinist, but um, and you know, this gets into that whole should you be alone with women sort of question but when it comes to counseling i've always got somebody there um you know it, at least uh, you know a crack door and somebody on the campus around always during office hours never off office hours mm -hmm. um and if i'm if i'm counseling a spouse whether it be a man or a woman I, you know one or two maybe three times 
And after that, I'm telling them, hey, you need to be meeting me with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in, no, I don't think it's wrong to, to funnel people on to someone else, uh, to a professional. I also don't think it's wrong to have very specific parameters, uh, like Micah saying, hey, four times, and after that, I, that's pretty much all I can do. Uh, you have to do that for accountability, and you have to do that for the sake of the health of the church because yeah. you can't meet with one person every day. Like you, you, even in a church of a smaller church of twenty-five or fifty, if someone's in your office every day, that that's a that's a problem. It really right. is. It monopolizes everyone else's access. Uh, yeah, I would say I agree with Sam. I've never had anyone push back um, on referring them out if 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 they see you making a genuine concerted effort to help them to meet with them a few times and then to say, you know what, I've reached the edge uh, or the end of what I'm able to offer you. So I'm going to help connect you with someone who can help you more than I can. Then in my experience, there's never been any pushback. I think they see you genuinely caring, trying to help. And then an extension of that help is you trying to get them someone who can help them more. I want to talk about the boundaries a little bit that Sam talked about. I remember um, growing up having people say, well, you know, I'll only counsel with men or, you know, only only counsel with same gender. Um, I, I don't practice that. And here's why, but I'll tell you what I do put in place to make sure that I, I do similarly to Sam. I, I'll meet with anybody in the church because I'm not the pastor to just the men in the church. I pastor the men and the women. I have an obligation and responsibility to all of them. But uh, the way our offices are set up right outside my office door is our executive pastor's office and my assistant's office. I don't meet with someone unless one or both of them are there. And if I meet with a woman in particular by myself, the door is always wide open and there's nowhere. So anyone can walk by the office and see at any time. And there's always someone right outside my door who can see it. And the way our offices are, my, my office is shaped. You can see us, but you can't hear us. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and again, so to me, I, I will meet with a man or a woman. I'm their pastor. I'm everyone's pastor. But I won't meet for an extended period of time. I always meet, like like Sam says, during office hours, and it's always with the door wide open where somebody can have access and see uh, and step in at any time if they want uh, what's going on. So that so that I'm I'm functioning in a way that's above board. There's accountability. There's no uh, ability for uh, you know um, inappropriate behavior. But at the right. same time, I'm making sure to pastor the whole congregation. I think that um, two, there, there's two comments I want to make on that. I have a similar setting here. We have a, a pastoral suite. So there's this big outer office, and there's the Holy of Holies, and then there's the inner sanctum and uh, my restroom and all that kind of stuff. I always do the counseling. You not, have your own bathroom? Yeah, it has a shower too. Oh, man. It's nice. I, I do too, I, Sam. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> um, but, I actually have two offices and a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do is... I only will talk to anybody, male, female, anybody. Um, if you're looking at joining the church or you have marital problems, I'll talk outside in that outer office where the doors open, there's offices all around and those sort of things. And um, I have had actually one person, uh, she started crying. It was a female, and we were I was counseling her on some issues. She started crying, and she says, can other people hear me? And I just said to her directly, you know, if they were to stop and listen and try, probably they could make out what you're saying. It's hard to kind of hear all the words you're saying, but they love you, they care for you, and you can trust them. So you just, you know, that's the best. It was like, I can't make it to where, I had to be real honest, I can't shut the door. Like, I can't just be in here, you know, especially when you're counseling. We're all younger pastors, and it doesn't really matter about our age, but when you're counseling, say, a woman who's having marital problems who's very close to your age, that's just a recipe for all sorts of disasters because you're 
caring and you're listening and you're affirming and all those sort of things that could get all sorts of hearts twisted and in trouble. So I think the other thing about that that we need to discuss is um, online communication. Mm. So um, Sam, I don't know. No, we were doing, we were talking about this off air where you were saying you could, you use an app that actually backs up, back ups your text to uh, Gmail for accountability. And I think that that's very, uh, that's a cool way to do it. Um, if I, I rarely ever get text or Facebook messages from um, females, but when I do, I always kind of tell Jackie or, um, and Jackie has all of my passwords and things like that. I just say, you know, so-and-sos want this. And there's been a lot of times where I'll say, so-and-so needs help. Um, they're struggling with, you know, um, they just had a kid and they're really kind of struggling with the the transition there. And usually she'll just kind of pick it up and run with it. She starts talking to them and, and I, I'm like, Hey, Jackie, I'll kind of talk to you about that and help you out with that. So, but I'm also very careful not to dump, like you said, Micah, we're pastors to both, to everybody in the church. Mm-hmm. My wife is not the pastor to all of the women. So She's not necessarily at their beck and call. I don't right. dump all female counseling to her. I don't want to put that burden upon her unless she wants to, you know, wants to do some of that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that's helpful. I, I think the technology is some of our best friends here. I, I think Sam, uh, mentioned the app that he uses that backs up all of his text messages and your phone logs. Is that correct, yeah, Sam? So it's, it's called mighty text. And uh, it's something like eighty, ninety dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, I can do everything on my computer, which is great. So it, it's basically a mirror image of my phone uh, from the messaging side, um, and it's on my computer. But the other thing that it does is it will back up, quote unquote, all of your texts. But what I have it do is I have it dump into an email account that my wife has access to. Mm-hmm. So if she ever wanted to, and it's automatic. So if she ever wanted to see text at any given time she just gets into that email account and can look now i i don't know how often she looks i really don't care one way or the other because i'm not hiding anything but um but it's just it's a system of accountability um there's also a call log that gets backed up um so that you can see who i called and how long i talked and how many times i've done that um it's just good practice Mm -hmm. uh you know it's one of those things like I hope I don't ever have to use it. Like, I hope no one ever has to say, like, we need to see your call log. We need to see your text. I mean, hopefully I've got other systems in place to where that's not even an issue. But if I ever had to, um, it's there. Um, I, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not – I don't want to be paranoid, but we've got cameras all over the church. I mean, mm-hmm. literally all over the church. I've got cameras all over my house. Mm-hmm. I've got the ring system at my home. So if uh, – you know, it's uh, motion activated. So if anyone would ever say, hey, I was at your house at this time, blah, 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 or you were, you were there or whatever, you know, I've got a pretty good way of having an alibi for just yeah. about anything. Yeah. I like and, that stuff. I like and, that there's cameras everywhere. And, you know, uh, I mean, it's a silly thing, but I've been at churches before where it's like, well, what did the pastors do? Do they even do anything? Are they even at the, I mean, it's never happened, but there has been the the thought cross my mind of like, well, check the cameras. I'm here early every day. I leave late. I mm-hmm. do, you know, I do my job. I'm, I mean, I guess I could just be sitting in there from eight thirty to five every day, but I'm not. So, you know, I like that accountability. It's just an, a no thinking accountability. That's just always kind of there. Yeah. Another thing that is just really simple, but I highly recommend is. Um, I was just talking to a young couple that I was doing premarital counseling with this week about that. I recommend that families, husbands and wives especially, share – um, I'm sorry, not share, share necessarily, but use Google Calendar on their mm-hmm. phones. It's free. 
So, you know, I have a Google Calendar. My wife has one. And then we have a Google Calendar for family events, things that we want to be on our kids' devices so that they know we've got some stuff. But, like, my, I use my personal Google Calendar for all my work. So my my personal Google Calendar, I'll share it with certain staff members so that they can see what my calendar is at all times. And then my wife and my assistant both have access to edit it anytime they want. They can – Same thing with me. Yeah. So – Two, two staff have the ability to edit my calendar. Yeah. And then my wife and other staff have the ability to uh, – my wife can edit the calendar too. Right. Um, but they can all see it at any time. That's right. And, and again, that's that's another good system of accountability because if anyone ever said, where were you? Right. Not only um, can people check in whenever they want, but you also have a like just an ongoing journal. So I, I use my calendar pretty, you know, systematically. And well, is your um, is your tracking turned on? On my on my phone. Yeah, like on Google Maps. Yes. Mine yes. is, so, and we so like. I c- go it, ahead. It can always tell where I'm at. My my wife has access to the location as well. So yeah. So um, I I yeah. don't I mean like the Russians completely know where I am at all. Absolutely. The time. I mean I'm totally down with Big Brother. <laughs> so where? But to me, I mean, and I'm I'm like I'm like you, Sam. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't happen for me. I schedule yeah. absolutely everything I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only way I can manage everything. But the upside of that is my wife knows where I am at every moment. And she, even if she has to text me, I'll, she'll say, hey, I know you're in XYZ meeting right now, but I need an answer about this really quickly and, or you know, something along those lines. She always knows where I am at every moment. And uh, I just think it's healthy that way. This is uh, actually the source, this shared calendaring. We do the same thing. I have a family one. Um, I have a, a, a staff one. We have the church calendar, all the major events, mm-hmm. and I can just turn them off. And um, I even have like their their paid time off, which is almost always off. But there are times where I'm like, "Where is so and so?" And I click that, and I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah, I proved that they were off." Yeah. You know, so yeah. But our last uh, little argument between Jackie and I had. To Wait a minute, you this. guys argue? One time, Josh. What is thirteen wrong? years? One time. What is wrong? <laughs> well, here's what's wrong. <laughs> this this thinking shared Google Calendar. Yes. Apparently, she defaults with a ten minute update and an email update and so everything she put in there i mean like so she has a hair appointment well i'll get a text and then i'll get my on my watch on my phone on my screen all these things start going on i'm like like, sweetheart turn that off don't do that so i actually figured out how to get in there and just default them all off they're all off now but I told her that. We were kind of squabbling about it. And then a couple of days later, I said, oh, I figured out how to turn. She goes, I knew you'd figure it out. Like, yeah. she didn't even worry. She didn't even care. She's not even worried. So. That's how Tracy would be. Tracy never. Tracy does not like digital calendars. She does it for me. She likes her paper planner. Oh, it's really? It's been a huge advantage for us, yeah. Hmm. Well, back to the counseling. I did want to mention I have had pushback on this twice. Um, share, and it came from the expectations of a pastor. And mm-hmm. so if you're in a smaller church – you may feel that as well. And in fact, it has put a little hitch of guilt when I am referring people out because I was told, you know, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to counsel. That's what you do. That's, you know, that's a big part. You preach, you counsel. And um, it comes from an older mindset, an older expectation on what pastors are. Uh, there, there's a general expectation that pastors are experts at everything, including, you know, marriage and, you know, sexual abuse, those sort of things. And, and then, preach on Sunday. So um, that was just something where I had to say, look, I'm just not knowledgeable on this depth of things, especially the topics that were coming up. I was like, I don't even know how to deal with that. So um, that was one time. And then the other expectation came from cost. 
So the expectation, well, you're a free counselor. Mm-hmm. The, and I just told uh, this person, I said, well, you get what you pay for because yeah. I don't, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so let me, let me address the cost. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Sam. And then I'll just, no, I was going to say that, that that's something that I think probably needs to be said. I, I wouldn't assume that everyone uh, who's out there is quote unquote free. I am. I think that, I think my church pays me full time to do a lot of things in right. counseling included. Mm-hmm. I would never think of charging a a person for counseling. Oh, no. Micah, you were going to speak into that. Yeah, so one of the things that we've done here, and and I realize we're a little bit larger and we have a little bit more budget, but the amount that we're doing, uh, that we're investing in this is manageable by, I would say, every every church except for a very small church. We've reached out to a specific Christian counselor in the city that we trust that has credentials, and we've worked with him for years, and we worked out an arrangement where we – we set aside X amount of dollars in our budget, and it's a tiny amount towards our total budget. I mean, even mm-hmm. if you had, um, I mean, even if your ch- total church budget was one hundred and fifty thousand or less, you could pretty, you could afford this this amount. I mean, it's just a, it's it's maybe ten thousand or just a little over ten thousand dollars, somewhere in that ballpark, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we've set aside that amount. And he gets that, and it basically keeps him on retainer, so we don't have a staff counselor or anything like that, but we can now recommend people to him at no cost to them. Mm. And we send our church members who come to us. Now, if it's not a church member, that's a different thing. We reserve the retainer for those who are church members, but it allows us to say, if you can't afford, that's okay. We're going to refer you out, and we're going to cover the cost for the initial part of this counseling session. And and we cover the first few sessions with him Mm -hmm. to, to make sure that they get the counseling that they need. I've seen it done here in the area. You talk about smaller churches. They just approached uh, a friend of mine who pastors over in Fort Worth, approached um, counseling students and and young counselors who were setting up. So they had already gotten all their certification. They had all gone through their um, required hours under supervision, those sort of things. And um, they set up a counseling uh, kind of ministry there in their church. And what they – the deal from the church was – you have free office space, and for that, we ask that you see our members one time free, pro bono, and then after that on a scale. Right. Uh, besides that, if you drum up any other business, any walk-ins, those sort of things, you charge whatever you charge, and that's completely on you. And so that kind of mutual helping did create for their church a essentially no-cost counseling ministry that was provided there. There's another option as well. There is a counseling center about three miles from our church that we uh, we respect. We've actually, as a family, have used them with our adoption, um, just walking through some of the transition as, you know, uh, bringing a, a new child into the family. We trust them. We like them. But because they have the appropriate qualifications, they actually have a relationship with the insurance company, and so it's, it's – um, you actually, they take insurance, and so it reduces the cost significantly. So if we have, if we find someone who the counselor we work with is not the right person to refer them to, we can still refer them to this counseling center who we don't have a mm. formal relationship with, but because they take insurance, the cost is minimal for those right. who, who would go. So it just, it takes a little bit of work on the pastor's part to, to search out some of these opportunities or even to set aside a little bit of money, uh, budget money. But, you know, even if you could set aside I mean, we set aside somewhere between ten and th- ten and twenty thousand dollars a year. I-, I think is the number we set aside. But we're also a pretty large church, so for a smaller right. We've church, got more people too. We do. We have a lot get. more people that are going to mm-hmm. go. So if you're in a smaller church and you set aside 
$3,000 or $4,000 in a church of 100 people, that's probably Mm going to be way more than you'll need, and it alleviates the counseling burden from you. Or you develop a relationship with someone who takes insurance and and, uh, you trust, and that helps lower the cost as well. So there are definitely ways around it. you just got to think and be creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we use our benevolence. Uh, That's actually a really good option as well. That's very smart. Benevolence fund. For any number of things we have, and I won't, that's a whole other podcast, right? How do you, how do, you mm. do benevolence? But mm. Good. Um, we need another topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, uh, that's one of the things in our benevolence fund that it can be used for is, is counseling. And um, we take everyone on a case-by-case basis. Obviously, members have a higher priority than non-members. Mm. Um, but uh, we're willing to help anybody if, uh, if we think that it's a legitimate case where our church can serve them. Right. You know, the last thing that I'll add to this is it helps a lot if pastors would be more honest about their need for counseling and yeah, their use right. of counseling. That's right. I share it constantly that I see a counselor and um, it helps. It helps in a tremendous way. And what that does is for your members, they'll say, oh, well, he's not an expert at everything. And in fact, he needs a need. And when he has that need, he finds the, you know, the proper people to help him with that need. And it does help when we're referring to the same place that I'm going and then I mean there's a there's dozens and dozens of counselors over there so that it's not like we're all seeing the same people. That would be awkward if they're like complaining about how horrible their pastor is to <laughs> my counselor. Um but <laughs> they might be, I don't know. Um so you know, I think that that would help a lot and I think, you know, we've covered quite a quite a bit well, of good stuff here. And Josh, I would say just in general pastoral honesty is a really big issue that that a lot of pastors um are under the impression that they can't they can't be honest, right? I remember saying yesterday, I said just some off-the-hand co- comment, just, oh, I struggle with, and I, I you know, struggle with a specific thing. And one of my members, he looked at me and goes, oh, my gosh, I can't tell you how much of a relief it is to know that you struggle about that, so I don't feel so bad anymore. <laughs> and I, I, I told him, I was like, well, good grief, of course I do. Like, I, you know, yeah, I mean, but yeah. I think sometimes our, our people just need to hear, we're broken. I say it every Sunday from the pulpit. We're all broken. I'm broken as much or more than anybody. Right. They need I'm to hear worst. us say that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I heard, um, I was reading a book by a friend, a listener of our show. He sent me his book, and I was reading it last night, and he put in there, a, when he started ministry, I don't know, a couple decades ago, there was a quote that somebody gave him the advice. He said, um, as a pastor, there's going to be a lot of times you don't know what to do, but you're going to need to act like you know what to do. And he, he was including that to show the error in that thinking. You don't need to act like you know what you're doing. and right. and, and so. I think that kind of goes back to this. Um, that'll do it for this episode. That's all the time that we have for right now. But I am excited and want to invite everybody to the um, EST conference that's going to be going on October 4th here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I know that, uh, Micah, you and um, Sam are both excited about it. Sam, um, what are you most looking forward to out of that conference? Um, you know, getting to visit with our some of our listeners. Yeah. I mean, I, we have this, like, sort of Twitter-Facebook relationship, and we hear from them, and, you know, a lot of interaction on social media, but, man, I'm I'm just looking forward to digging in, actually shaking some hands and looking people in the eye and uh, getting to know them. I totally agree. I think that link, if I can remember it off the top of my head, I didn't write it down, but it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-S-T conference. So if you go to that, you can find the information and register for that. I hope to see everyone here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Um, Have a great time at the EST Conference October 4th. We'll check you next week. 
You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.